Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to Trot's Life. Very special uh, time of year. Teal campaign is underway. And this man would not like being spoken about as the driving force, the architect, the pioneer, the trailblazer, the man who set it up. But that's exactly what he is. And his name is Duncan McPherson. How are you today, Duncan? I'm great, Jason. And uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk about Team Teal, which, as you've correctly said, is underway again. And... uh, we're looking forward to a magnificent performance both on and off the track from 1st of Feb to 15 March. Now, we've got a little bit of ground to cover. I've already chatted with Karen Livingston, so I've got some information about the Team Teal campaign for the listeners, but I think there's still a lot of ground, more ground than the early settlers that we've got to cover. And we're going to start because everybody or almost everybody who's got any interest in harness racing knows about Team Teal. Now, it's been going around, I'm going to guess, is it around 10 years now, Big Mac? Yeah, we uh, late wife Lynn passed away in 2010. We had the first Breed for Speed series in 2010, which is for the mares, race mares on the track, and then Team Teal itself got going four or five years later. So I think it's year 10, year 11, Jason, that we're in at the moment. And it's and as you're well aware, it's um, gone ahead in leaps and bounds initially in Victoria, and we expanded it uh, to New South Wales. Then we went national, and then... Um, Obviously, we then went over to New Zealand in 2018 and managed to hook up the um, Trans-Tasman Connection. So it's got a very southern hemispherical ring about it. Now, it's not your favourite thing to do, probably to talk about yourself, but that is where we've got to start, obviously. Twin passions in life, family and harness racing, particularly of the square gating code. And you've decided to combine the two. And you've already mentioned it, but this all harkens back to the tragic loss of your wife, Lynn, and I'm sure at that moment, being the driven force that you are, you just would have thought, well, how how do I do something to retain Lynn's legacy and how do I do something positive out of a horribly negative situation? And it was probably the most obvious thing in the world for you to combine um, your passion for this institution that we're going to talk about, Women Can and the Ovarian Cancer Foundation, and trying to raise money and awareness um, for a disease that unfortunately wasn't to be beaten back in the day, and harness racing, particularly trotting. So talk to the listeners a little bit about the um, the inauguration of this and where it all came from. Like I say, it was pretty obvious to combine the twin passions, but it still takes a lot of work. So talk to the listeners about that that don't know. Um, thanks, Jason. Um, yeah, Lynn was diagnosed on um, New Year's Eve um, in 2008, um, it's a, it's a well-trodden path, but for the sake of your listeners, um, Lynn suffered from um, the typical symptoms of ovarian cancer, which was abdominal and pelvic pain. She lost her appetite, um, frequency of urination and bowel changes, and then increased abdominal size. And Lynn was a nurse, and in about August, September of, of that year, she started to indicate to me that there was something going wrong. And it got to the point where... Uh, someone's curled up in the fetal position on a bed next to you, you, you as a husband, as a father uh, and parent to three kids. 
uh, you've got to do something about it. So something about it we did. Um, we went and had the necessary tests and then went and were fully diagnosed, as I say, 31st of December 2008 and um, or 2009. And it didn't, 2009, and she passed, uh, sorry, 2008, she passed away in March 2010. Um, and I'm pretty blunt. Um, I, I asked Professor Michael Quinn, AM, who's a gynecological surgeon at the Royal Women's, I said, I'm spades and spades and I'm a builder and, and and I'm pretty black and white. Tell me where we're at. And he says, you've got the biggest battle on your hands you're both ever going to have. Mm-hmm. And that we did. So we went through chemo and radio, um, blood transfusions, colostomy bags, you name it. Lynn went through every single possible diagnosis and treatment to, to try and survive with the ultimate objective she get to my daughter's 18th birthday on Valentine's Day in 2010. Yeah. And uh, we made it. We got to Valentine's Day. We got a trip overseas to Europe. Um, we did all the things that we, we thought we'd never do. And literally with wigs blowing off in aeroplanes and falling off in streets and all sorts of things that go with it. We went through the course and my commitment to, to, to Lynn was to not only carry her legacy, but do it with her. So I sat through every chemo treatment. I, I sat through um, the, the intensive care units that she was locked up in. We went through blood transfusions. I was there the whole way, and it was something that uh, really had a obviously a profound impact yeah. on myself. But from that, I then made pretty much the commitment to her and to my family and to the rest of the community in the end that I don't want blokes going through this. I don't want families going through this. So the inauguration and the continuation of her fundraising that she'd started while she was sick um, swirled over, if you like, HRV. Uh, we came up with a concept for um, Breed for Speed mares in 2010, which was already on, on underfoot, and they named that series in honour of my late wife. Um, and then probably a couple of years after that, I got thinking with good, two good mates of mine, Jim Connolly and Michael Tarano, and we sat down at... 38,000 feet heading to some yelling sales somewhere in the world and said, what do we, what can we do off the track? How, how do we, how do we get our community and, and because or not only our community, but make ourselves aware to the rest of the community in Australia. Um, and we've got a great advantage in harness racing. A lot of our participants is, is, is well known of, of women, uh, female drivers and also the female trainers. And so we thought we could showcase the female drivers on the track and, um, by that, we then uh, put our hands in our pockets and personally fundraised for the, or personally raised the necessary cash to put the girls in teal pants mm. uh, and the women in teal pants initially in Victoria, as I said earlier, then New South Wales, then nationally. And then once we got impetus, it started to self-fund. But the early days were, were purely off the sheep's back, if you like. And um, and with the support of my three children, Hamish, Tom and Tess, um, we got things rolling. Well, you're all uh, very successful, have been very successful business people, so you know how to start something from nothing. But, look, I want to get back to an original point. We'll talk about the series a little bit later, the initiatives. Um, the, the way that it's grown has been exponential, really, over the last few years. But I want to get back to a, an original point because we spoke to Karen about all the stats and the survival rates and all the rest of it. But one thing that we didn't touch on was – uh, the role of the carers. So, and this is what you were. So while we're raising funds for um, education, I know that Karen spoke about uh, getting people into into hospitals to try and teach them a little bit more about ovarian cancer and how to diagnose it because it is such an insidious, it's one of those diseases that can look like, 
you know, 45 different things and often it's misdiagnosed and when it is, yep. we know the survival rate is so much lower when you're caught at a late stage. But you, I've had this personal experience, um, not with ovarian cancer, but with um, terminal patients and so have you. Yep. And one thing that is often misrepresented is the role of the care and we have to look after them as well because it is a devastating, life-changing part of your existence, isn't it, Big Mac? Uh, well, you only get one shot in life, you do. and and that never gets hammered home, or didn't get hammered home as hard to me, uh, with as as it did with Lynn. I mean, I lost my father when I was young. I lost a lot of mates through various ways and means through the course of life. But when your life partner and your soulmate um, goes down, uh, you've, we've got a couple of choices, and my choice was to was to knuckle down and and, and get into it. Um, I think that. The role of the carer is underestimated. One of the things I did become, both while Lynn was being operated on and going through her battle against the disease, but and and, and am still are and have been for a number of years, is I'm a cold caller for the gynecological clinicians. Yeah, and there are a lot of men out there who have got who get this news and don't know how to deal with it. And so, being a cold caller, I've made myself available. And if any men and I make myself available to any men that may listen to this if any men happen to be in a situation where they're the carer and they're not dealing with it too well, uh, I've been more than happy to step in, um, provide some guidance to them, provide support to them. And, I mean, inevitably with ovarian cancer, their wives do pass, but at least we've got that connection and that bond and we pr provide a bit of assistance. So I think the carer's role is underestimated uh, and ultimately we get left behind. And what? the legacy of that is exactly what I'm trying to avoid and try to make sure through what we do that the number of men that are affected by this is diminishing as we go forward. The problem is, and again, we'll get into uh, the nitty-gritty in the second segment, but I'm pretty passionate about this because um, what we are as men, and I know the world is changing, but as men, most of us, particularly a bloke like you, we're problem solvers, aren't we? We want to fix the problem and um, we want we want to be able to, if there's pain to be taken on, we'd prefer to take it on ourselves. And it's so, it's such a complex uh, emotional, psychological thing to have to be there with someone and actually be their rock knowing that, yes, we can battle hard, we can do what we can, but we might not be able to actually solve this problem. And I think that's part of the message to get out to men and to carers is, this is going to be the hardest battle for a range of reasons. You might lose the person you love most in your life, but also you have to put yourself in a position where you you might not win. You, you might not be able to fix this thing. Well, the reality is you can't. So that's item one. Item two is we've got to provide, the men have got to be aware of the symptoms as much as the women yeah. because we're pretty... The girls are a pretty resilient lot, or women are a pretty resilient lot. I mean, they give birth to babies. That's something that you and I are going to never get. <laughs> I'm okay and, with that. It's, it's probably a pain threshold that you and I will never understand no. in a lot of instances. So there, there's item one. Item two is a lot of women, because they've been through that uh, that pain when they've given birth to their, their wonderful children, um, they, they're relative dismiss, relatively dismissive as to the actual symptoms that we see. And if blokes are sitting at the dinner table and their wife's not eating and she doesn't eat for two or three weeks, there's obviously something going on. Yeah. And so it's not only about awareness in the female community, it's also awareness in the general community yeah. of what could or couldn't be. And if your wife turns around and says, geez, I've got a pain in the guts and it's been there and I can't get rid of it, then do something about it. 
just don't tell her to take a Panadol and lie down or, or not even not listen to her. So I think that we've got to become more receptive. And as you say, it, it, it's the battle, or well, it is, it's the battle we can't win. But through what we do, we're, we're hoping to, we have over the course of the, you know, this is the 14th year of, of, of the Breed for Speed series and the 10th year of Team Tilt, we're making inroads and getting that awareness. And I think that the most rewarding part of it is when um, A, men come up to you and thank you for what you're doing and, and what, where we've been. But B, it's when women are coming up to you and saying, if it wasn't for the messaging that you were getting out there, I wouldn't be here today. And I think that's the most important thing of the lot. And before we go to a break, I think it's really important to, to finish this subject talking about listening to the women in your life as well, because um, Karen and I spoke about, you know, trying to educate GPs, um, yep. not to be diagnosed and not to send somebody home with some Nexium and say you've got yep. some indigestion or IBS. But men are in the same situation. If if your loved one, if your daughter, your mother, your grandmother, your wife, whoever it might be in your life is telling you, I don't think that's right. I, they're telling me that it's this, but I know my body and I don't think it's right, then support them because they know. They know when something's really wrong and this this would feel to them different, wouldn't it? And so you've got to keep your ears open. You've got to keep your heart open and say, all right, if you say it's not right, then we're, we're going back and we're just going to work this out until we actually get the answer that we believe is right. Um, the first the first answer is not necessarily the correct answer. No. That's item one. Misdiagnosis is, is, is prevalent, whether we like it or not. And, and unfortunately, that is probably the major reason that Karen may have extolled the virtues of survivors teaching students yeah. and where our fundraising goes. It's all about getting clinicians going forward. And we're talking about two to 3,000 clinicians that we get in contact with on a per annum basis. You multiply that out over, over five, six, seven years, all of a sudden you've got 15 to 18,000 clinicians out there with a greater understanding of these diagnoses then we are making inroads. And if we can make inroads both in the community but also in the medical field about how they can combine together and come up with the solution or actually diagnose early where we're at, then the world's a better place. I love the idea of uh, survivors going in and talking about their story and then the clinicians hear that story and then somebody else comes in two years later they hear something similar and they recall what they've heard. And that's what I love about uh, that education that um, Asgog and women can and Karen and so many people are involved with. We're going to take a short break here on Trot's Live. Very important conversation. We're going to come back, lighten the load for a moment, talk about the racing involved with the Teal campaign. And then we'll duck back and talk a little bit more about ovarian cancer and what you can do to help. Back in a moment. Trot's Life returns. We're with Duncan McPherson. Extended chat. This is going to be something we're going to do a fair bit of during the team or the Teal campaign, we call it now. But Team Teal are involved. They're they're the ambassadors. There's four of them this year. They are Karen Manning, Kate Gath, Jody Quinlan, Jackie Barker, and racing is so very close to your heart. Harness racing and particularly trotting. And I'll tell you what. What's been built on the other side of this situation in terms of you, you spoke about breed for speed already being underfoot, but the way you've been able to harmonise all of these different initiatives, push trotting and bring it in and combine it with the Teal campaign has been amazing. Talk a little bit about, I know we're going over old ground, but for listeners who don't know, the race series that are involved, the big night that's going to be at Melton, and also a little bit of new information because this campaign is extended Australasia wide, but New South Wales in particular are putting their hand up and saying, "Look, we want to, we want to really take it to the next level." 
Yeah, look, it's been a fascinating journey and um, one that uh, I can't... I mean, whilst I might be the initiator and the, and the patron, I can't do it without the support of everybody else. I um, mean, Victoria... Uh, we started it off in Victoria, the big V, and and as you've said, Karen, Kate, and Jodie Quinlan. And I think it's very poignant about Jodie Quinlan. Her mother is an ovarian cancer survivor. Yeah. Um, I have the great pleasure of of um, Jodie's mum sitting with me, Cheryl, at, at, at every breed for speed that we've had, every team till night, which is this year on the 25th, which culminates in the racing of the of the, of the three finals, which we'll touch on in a moment. But I think the other really important thing is is that one of our ambassadors in Victoria this year is Jackie Barker. And Jackie's, I'll say, a young, um, sensational range woman who's gone through Team Teal from when she was a junior and was in the pony trots. And she's now lived and and had the joy of living and breathing Team Teal uh, for her half her living memory, basically. And I think that that is fundamentally important. And we have the Team Teal Tiny Tots, um, not only in Victoria, but right around Australia and New Zealand. And we want to start with these young range women when they're in driving their ponies and getting an understanding of what it is. And they then are more or less indoctrinated to the message and they carry that message through. So Jackie's a shining example of, of a young lady who's been exposed to it for many years. And the verbiage that they talk about, you know, 15 years ago, no one wanted to talk about ovarian cancer. Um, ovarian cancer now is on every harness racing person's lips. And I think that the graduation of these young women, uh, as that's their part of their normal life, this is where the community needs to be. And I think we're uh, uh, leading the way as a sport uh, to to showcase what we can do and how we can do things. Well, we'll talk again. We'll talk about the the race series a little bit and what uh, what New South Wales are going to bring to the table because it yep. sounds. Significant, but I'd, it's a great point you touch on again because even gynecological uh, conditions, you know, again, the world has changed. We need we need to be able to, to talk about what we need to talk about because, I mean, harness racing people in particular, Duncan, the toughest people in the world, I reckon. So um, we've we've heard the stories of David Aiken recently with yep. prostate cancer, and I'll tell you what, the message that he sent out about being able to be open and honest and chat about these things and just communicate and I think this is one of the great things that it's done. People are now willing to communicate and get down to the nitty gritty of what they need to do to keep their loved ones alive. But um, I want to talk about the race series because you've got the big night at, at Tabcorp Park, Melton, uh, later in February. And also, yeah, I, I'm very interested because you've just given me bits and bots about what might be coming in New South Wales. We know this is an Australasia-wide campaign now, but we need, like, we need big support and New South Wales. It sounds like there's something happening there in the very near future. Yeah, look, I mean, two, two things, I guess. Um, the, the, the biggest issue that we've, or not an issue, what we've tried to do is, is, is work out how we can broaden our, our reach and exposure, yeah. within, not only within our own community, but in the general communities as well. So we've taken the view that there are a lot of female trainers in Australia, not only drivers. And, and the way that it's been so far is the, the girls that are driving or the women that are driving have been wearing teal pants, but we haven't been able to, to extend that uh, opportunity of, of participation at the maximum level to the female trainers. So we've had a discussion with um, New South Wales and we're going to use New South Wales as a pilot. So we've got, um, some trainers up there, which and I'll say who they are: Belinda McCarthy, Kerry Ann Morris, Alan Bartley, and Melanie Elder, and they put their hands up to to be the nominated female 
trainers, right. if you like, as ambassadors for our, 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 our cause, and then they've nominated their drivers. So their drivers, respectively, will race in the, um, the teal, teal silks, and they include Luke, Luke McCarthy and Jack Callaghan for, for Belinda. We've got Robbie Morris and Josh Gallagher driving for Kerry. Blake Jones will drive for Alan Bartley, and then Brad Elder will drive for Melanie. So we've got some blokes that are prepared to listen to my message, which is, um, I've, which I've been pushing for a while, which we touched on earlier about the carers. And so we're going to expose these blokes to all sorts of verbiage, discussion, um, the fact that pap smears aren't, aren't, a, aren't a, the, the answer for detecting ovarian cancer. Um, there's a false sense of security in, in, in the general community that pap smears are the be-all and end-all and ovarian cancer can be detected by your wife or your girlfriend or your mother having that regular pap smear. Mm. Um, that is not the case. And so we want to not only educate, continue to educate and, and provide information to our female range women and participants, but we want the males to start taking it on. So... Um, congratulations to those female trainers for nominating their drivers and congratulations to those drivers for helping me as a bloke spread the message. That is absolutely outstanding. And, and um, here's a question with that notice. Now, you're a man who, because of your love of the trotting gate, you get around the world as you do to America and to Europe and you go to the big races. Now, you talk about extending it Australasia-wide. I can't help thinking there would be something in the back of your mind thinking, why can't we do this in um, some of the biggest trotting jurisdictions right around the world? Well, funny you should say that because about three years ago, one of the topics that was at the uh, European Trotting Union conference was Team Teal. Yeah, right. And as an innovative product, we thought it was worthy for us to expose what we do in Australia as an ideology for community engagement throughout Europe. Um, I've just been in Sweden. Um, I make no secret of that. Uh, but when I was up there, a good mate of mine, Dennis Engelbow, who you're probably aware of, um, Jason, he's a writer for Trev Rondon, mm. which is a subscription-only paper in, in, in Sweden. Um, he will be He is one of the sponsors of a Team Teal Breed for Speed Heat at Bendigo. And through that messaging that he then sends through his uh, media channels, uh, we are exposed in 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 Sweden, yeah. and I'm very keen with the connections we have with Kima Frenning and and Sophia Arvidsson, who's one of our ambassadors in New South Wales. Um, those Swedish girls uh, have got a connection to Australia and to Sweden, and one of the things we're trying to do is start the process in Sweden. Well, yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I asked you that question without notice, but it does not surprise That's me right. one bit. Um, but I'll tell you what, um, and everything you've done with the Teal campaign has been not only great for Women Can, for the Ovarian Cancer Foundation and for Asgog and for, and for trying to find uh, cures and raise funds, huge funds, huge funds. We're talking about, I think, uh, what, what was the number I think Karen came up with? Maybe $2.5 million. But it actually is great for bringing the global harness racing or trotting community together, isn't it? If you've got that, that bond and that link, that brings... Tr- Worldwide global trotting together as well. Oh well, I mean, I mean, I'll make it no secret that the horses that race in in, in America under with Jonas Sernison are racing teal ribbons. Um, yeah. We've had t-shirts printed over there, so we 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 um, we wear those proudly uh, when we can during the period of campaign here, uh, and they they are well aware in 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 uh, in America. 
uh, when Aldebaran Eagle actually won, made the Hambletonian final, one of the things we did um, put out there in, in the public space was that there's a unique link between Aldebaran Eagle and his teal ribbons and Australian and Southern Hemispherical racing. So there are people in America knowing what we're doing. There's people in Europe knowing what we're doing. Um, John Bootsman from Boco Stables, the biggest breeder in Holland, mm. will be here for Team Teal Night. There's a, um, he's keen to take that message and look at what we're doing here and take it back to Walvaga and, and Victoria Park in Holland. Um, so we're gathering momentum. It's a, it's a be all-in all boots and all, but one step at a time. And we're going to see how we go with the, uh, the, the gents driving for the female trainers. And then I think that... Uh, yeah, the push that we can get up in Europe and everywhere else to, to strengthen not only our sport, but the community engagement is something that I'm looking forward to doing over the next three to five years. And with a few minutes to go, one more thing that I do want to touch on is um, again, the last thing about the actual the harness racing side of it, yep. um, breed for speed in particular, the tracks yep. that we've raced on here, the times that they're able to run and what they that can do for the Australian trot, and we already know you. I mean, you've been at the forefront, and you know we have we have to give credit to Jim Connolly and Patrick Long, lots of others. But uh, yeah. you, you you were again the architect and the pioneer of trying to get this going, and it has been a really long process. Try, we, we're not even there yet, are we? We're we're truly truly competitive on the global stage, but the faster these mares can go, and what we're able to do, and the international bloodlines, it feels like I'm not willing to put a date on it, but it feels like we're not that far away anymore the the lynn mcpherson memorial breed for speed series is the fastest black type mares series in the world yeah, so there are other yeah. jurisdictions that are looking at us uh, we've got three divisions bronze silver and gold and if you look at the stud books and you look at the genetics the stud books are recognizing the three legs of the series um, i think we've had 116 Races, I think 106 have been black typed. Um, that then converts to stud book. That then converts to sales and, and yearling sales. That then converts to the ability of stud masters to attract global semen and it becomes a wheel. And once all the cogs in the wheel and, and the and tyres the are pumped up, we're all rolling in the same direction, which is what this series has done. It then creates impetus and, and puts the spotlight on mares racing here. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a wonderful series. Uh, and there's people that win some of these races. Uh, the proudest night they have is to win win a heat of the breed for speed because they've black-typed their mare and they never thought it was possible previously. So um, trainers and, and, and drivers like Brett Shipway, whose mare went 58 last year or the year before at Shepparton, these are the sorts of things that, that are, are life-changing for some of these people. And I think that we need to understand what the genetic outcome and what the improvement is uh, and, and what it's actually doing, the race series for our, uh, our breeders down here in Victoria and, big, and, and Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, Big Mac, like most incredibly successful people, um, I don't reckon you're somebody that spends a lot of time in reflection or introspection. You're looking forward, always looking forward. What's the next thing? How do we grow? How do we get better with everything you do in life? But have you taken a few moments when you're sitting on the veranda with a beer or lying in bed, I'm sure you think about Lynn and what has been achieved. And I really think you should at times take a couple of minutes and think, um, just reflect on what has been achieved with this so far. I know you always want to get bigger and better and clearly that's in the works, but a little reflection on what has been achieved because it's been pretty amazing. From where it started 10 years ago to even what it is now is it's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? Oh, I, I think it, it 
look, I'll, I'll take a, a, a wee bit of credit, but I think the credit goes to the, the harness racing community yeah. in Australia and New Zealand. The uptake and the keenness of the of the participants, um, whether they're winning in at, at Broken Hill, and I mean, there's girls and women, they're winning races in Broken Hill, they're winning races in Queensland, they're winning races in, in Tassie. Some of the girls, their proudest moments are their first win in teal pants. Oh, this, no is, this is how much it means to our, yeah. partic- our participants. If you can empower our people and our community and then make sure that we then take that message into the community, so whether it's a race meeting in Horsham or a race meeting at, 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 at Port Pirie, a race meeting at Wagga or, or wherever it may be, if we can empower the communities and the people that are working those and get this message out there, the fundraising is fantastic, but it's more about the message and the legacy that we leave to ensure that we're minimising the impact of this insidious disease in our general community. And as I said right back at the start, if there's one thing that I promised Lynn when she passed that, that we'd do, and that is I don't want blokes being through what I've been through, and it's as simple as that. And if we can continue to make inroads, continue to raise funds, put the survivors teaching student programs through you know, more universities and expose more of our clinicians to it, then the world is going to be a better place. We're minimising the impact, the number of deaths as the, commun- as, the, as, as the percentages are getting better on our side. They're getting better because A, technology and medicine's better, but B, there's a greater awareness and we get, we're clipping it or nipping it in the bud earlier. And I, I can't thank our community, our racing community and our administrators and yourselves and the race callers and the clerks of the course and everyone engaged, vets, you know, the whole lot. If we, if we all pull the rope together here, then I know that it's going to be the success that we all dream of. Well, um, I, yeah. I, 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 tell, of I tell you, just as just on what you're saying, we've kept, like I think people need to know as well that when we're talking about the successes, and I, I spoke about this with Karen, we've come a really long way, yep. but we've got a long, long way to go, haven't we? So this is the thing: like the the survival rates have improved, but they're nowhere near what they should be. It's still the most deadly cancer for women. We, we've got a lot. We are, and I, I hope you're future-proofing this, Duncan, because in about 75 years when you're no, you're no longer with us or you haven't got the energy to do this anymore, I want it future-proof to make sure it continues on in the same vein. But it, we've got, we really have got a long, long, long way to go. And what, what, what you've done and what everybody involved in the Teal campaign has done is started something, isn't it? That's what, it's about starting something, and then this has to keep going because we're a long way from where we need to be still. Look, Team Teal and the Breed for Speed series, it's like the Olympic Games. Someone had an idea about the Olympic Games and now people run with the baton and the torch all around the world. What we've got to do here is understand that there's no reason why the legacy, whether I'm here or not, this thing has its own impetus. And Team Teal is our harness racing community's showcase to the to the you know, the rest of the general community that we do care as it and we do we do want to do something. And we want to help. And I know that the girls have got pacing in pink. And I think that, and we've got the prostate awareness. And these are the sorts of things that as a community, we can have impact. But what you've said earlier, I can light the torch. On, we, we as a group and as an industry need to have people that are going to carry the batons. And I firmly believe that this is entrenched in our, in our, in our harness racing community. And I hope that it's something that we, you know, 10, 15, 20, another 15, 20 years on, we all look back and go, isn't it wonderful that we're having such an impact in the broader community? And I think that will endear our sport to everyone else in the in the general community around Australia and New Zealand. There's no doubt, and our sport should be endeared because 
I know, I know the reason that you started this with harness racing is your love of harness racing, but there could be no better industry to start it with, not only because women are at the forefront of the industry, but because the people in this game, once they get hooked on any idea like this and they get committed, uh, there's no greater ambassadors or advocates. It's been great chatting with you. You're a legend, Big Mac, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping even this interview we just stretch those tentacles a little bit further, but always good to chat with you, mate, and um, good luck with your thousands of... Very good trotters. And uh, as we go through some of the great uh, races through the Aurora Australia series. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much, Jason. And, and I sign off, as I always do, get real, support Teal. And also a little bit of hot to trot as well. There's Duncan McPherson.